Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is episode 52 as we get you ready for the NBA draft on Thursday. Today's show being brought to you by DraftKings. The games are underway, and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo, and they're offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $50,000 up for grabs, and the best part is that it is free to play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's events, and then track your results throughout the evening to see if you will achieve a victory. Questions will range from medal count to questions specific to the USA team. Now, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Well, the NBA draft is coming up on Thursday in this crazy, convoluted, uh, post-pandemic, we're kind of still sort of in a pandemic NBA world. Normally, the draft, of course, would be in June and Summer League would be in July. And uh, now the draft is in July and the Summer League is in August. There was news made on Monday reported by Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN that the Memphis Grizzlies uh, have uh, a deal in place to send Jonas Valanciunas to the New Orleans Pelicans for Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe, the two teams will swap draft positions. The Grizzlies were scheduled to draft 17th and 51st. They will now draft 10th and 40th, uh, the swap of picks with the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, further reporting indicating that uh, Eric Bledsoe will not be a member of the Memphis Grizzlies. Everybody is anticipating that there will be further on deals down the line. Now, we are tagging this uh, proposed deal as a reported deal uh, because it cannot be consummated until August the 6th officially. So when the uh, 10th pick in the draft comes up on Thursday, it will be New Orleans making the pick, but they'll be making the pick for Memphis uh, and vice versa if uh, this reporting is indeed all correct. What does this mean for the Memphis Grizzlies? Well, I think everybody who is a Grizzlies fan is going to miss Jonas Valanciunas because he is was just a fun guy to be around. He was a dynamite player, set all kinds of records for double-doubles and offensive rebounding and rebounding average for a season for this franchise and had a career year last year. Not only supremely productive on the court, he was a great interview. He was great with the fans. Uh, he, is, he is really and truly going to be missed. He probably is one of the more beloved Grizzlies in recent memory when you think along the lines of the core four. I mean, Jonas really had a bond with the city, self-deprecating sense of humor. He was funny. Uh, of course, he had the, uh, the denim jacket with the wolf on it, which uh, he says his wife is his designer, and that's how, uh, that's how that came to be. So he certainly is going to be missed. Stephen Adams, uh, presuming that he comes to Memphis as part of this proposed deal or this reported deal, not as skilled offensively as Jonas. Jonas, you know, has the ability to step out and hit the three, play from the elbow. Steven Adams, not nearly so much. And also Steven Adams, not a particularly good free throw shooter, but a tremendous rebounder. And again, uh, it has been reported that Eric Bledsoe will not put on a Grizzlies uniform and uh, how he exits Memphis uh, remains to be seen. 
What it does allow the Grizzlies to do, it does allow them to move up in a very wing-rich draft. Uh, Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State is going to go number one overall to uh, Detroit. After that, things uh, get a little muddy. Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga, Evan Mobley of USC, Jalen Green, who uh, starred for G League Ignite, and Jonathan Kuminga. Those are going to be the the top five guys we would assume – uh, in the draft. Once you get beyond that, then things get really muddy. And if you read a lot of the, uh, the draft mock-ups uh, that have been made, you will see guys floating all over, particularly once you get out of the top five. Top five through the top 20, you could pretty much put them in a bag and and just pull out names at random. Uh, there will be a number of gifted players there. James Bonite of uh, Connecticut, gifted scorer. Uh, Josh Giddy is very uh, intriguing, a, a 6'8", 18-year-old point guard from the Adelaide 36ers of the National Basketball League in Australia. Comes from tremendous bloodlines there, uh, a guy who can handle the basketball, a guy who can shoot, uh, and again, at 6'8", just gives you tremendous size. If you're looking for maybe a guy who's plug-and-play, Chris Duarte of Oregon, We'll, we'll figure to be available certainly in the top 20, maybe in the top 10. 24 years of age, uh, doesn't have a big wingspan, but he's a good 3 and D guy. And again, because of his age and his experience, I think really could be a plug-and-play guy. Franz Wagner, Mo Wagner's younger brother, who also played for the University of Michigan. He's an intriguing prospect, but again, he's only 19. Trey Murphy out of Virginia might be somebody that uh, uh, that you would look for for some three-point shooting. 21 years of age, so he stayed a little longer at the University of Virginia. Corey Kispert out of Gonzaga, another guy uh, who can shoot it well from outside. Memphis moves from 17 to 10. In this reported deal, I think it just gives them a broader range of options uh, at 10 than you would have at 17, rather than take, you know, basically being left with the leftovers if you pick at 17, if you're looking for a 3 and D wing, which I don't know for a fact necessarily the Grizzlies are looking for, but if if I'm the general manager, that might be the way that I'm going to go. You would have a better selection at 10. Uh, A lot of people around Memphis are very, very high Uh, And I'm speaking of the fan base, Moses Moody out of Arkansas, who I think would be a a tremendous pick of the Grizzlies would be able to get him. Uh, He is a regional kid born and raised in Little Rock, Arkansas, great student athlete, high character guy, uh, averaged just under 17 points per game in his one year with Arkansas. He was the SEC rookie of the year, I believe, uh, or freshman of the year, whatever they call it. really, really good first-team All-SEC player as well. He would be a guy who he might be the best of the 3 and D guys in this year's draft. But, uh, again, I don't know that he's going to be around when the Grizzlies pick, uh, according to this reported deal, at 10. So I'm really not sure uh, if he'd be around. But, boy, I think he would be uh, he would be a great fit for the Memphis Grizzlies. Overall, where are the Grizzlies going with this? I, The Grizzlies, I think, have come to a point, and I think it is a wise judgment on their point, that you are going to get better by drafting well and developing players well and maybe trading for some players. Memphis is not a free agent destination. It it is not a destination city. It does not have the the nightlife of Miami. It does not have the glitter of Los Angeles. Uh, It does not have the bright lights of New York. It's a smaller market. Only New Orleans is a smaller market in the NBA than, than Memphis is. So 
trying to have a ton of cap space so that you can get a free agent, that can be a little iffy because, you, you know, you may be bidding against another franchise uh, and you may end up overpaying. It's kind of like uh, the housing market right now. You may end up overpaying for something that really isn't worth what you paid for it. So I think what this front office is looking at, and you look at their track record of success by drafting a Dylan Brooks, by getting a Brandon Clark, by getting a Desmond Bain and a Xavier Tillman, guys that they picked who were uh, you know, not lottery picks, and yet they have become vital cogs for this Memphis Grizzlies team. Michael Wallace of Grind City Media said it really well. He said, look, if, if you redraft the Dylan Brooks draft, Dylan Brooks – is definitely a first-round pick. And if you redraft the Desmond Bain draft, last year's draft, maybe maybe Desmond is is, is a lottery pick. Um, you know, Brandon Clark, there was a, a, a tail-off last year in, in terms of his production, but as, as a rookie, he was first-team all-rookie. So this is a front office, I think, that has done a very good job of figuring out what type of player they want. They want a high-character guy. They want somebody who has multiple tools in their toolbox. They don't want a one-dimensional player. They want a multi-dimensional player, somebody who can defend, somebody who has some offense, whether they create off the bounce or they're a, 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 a standstill spot-up shooter. But again, they're, they're looking for guys that have multiple tools in the toolbox. That, to me, is one of the hallmarks of this front office, and they know the type of player they want. It's not all that different from the approach that San Antonio had. San Antonio, just they just knew who they wanted. They knew the type of personality. They knew the type of skill set that they wanted, and they picked that guy that fit their identity of what they felt a San Antonio Spurs should be. And I think that the Grizzlies front office is trying to do the same thing as well, try to figure out, okay, who is the ideal Memphis Grizzly, or what does the ideal Memphis Grizzly look like? How does he play? What kind of character is he? What type of teammate is he? What kind of different skills does he bring to the table? Is he one-dimensional? Is he two-dimensional? Is he multi-dimensional? Uh, those are the things that I think that they're looking for, and it's part of the reason why this, this franchise has been successful in the draft. We're going to uh, visit with uh, Brevin Knight in a little bit, and we'll get his thoughts uh, on the recent developments and what he thinks about the NBA draft. We're going to get to that in a moment, but I do want to touch on the fact that uh, the world continues to deal with COVID. And right now, the NBA has not come out and said that all players have to be vaccinated. They have not mandated anything like that. But you're starting to see some colleges now mandate that all players be vaccinated. There was a report that Wake Forest University is requiring all media that will be interviewing Wake Forest athletes uh, be vaccinated against COVID-19. In the credentialing process for the NBA Summer League, which will take place in Las Vegas uh, in early August, the credential applications, you do need to specify whether or not you have been inoculated against COVID-19. Now, the NBA, as I said, they have not come out with a policy that said you absolutely have, have to be vaccinated against it. However, Given the emergence of the Delta variant, the fact that infection rates are going up, the fact that hospitalizations are going up, no one really knows uh, how this is going to play out. I thought it was interesting to listen to Nick Saban at SEC Media Days because obviously whether or not you get a vaccine is a personal choice. But in the case of a college athlete or in the case of any team sport athlete, your decision to not get a vaccine has potentially consequences for your teammates, whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated. And that was the thing that 
Nick Saban was talking about. And he said, look, we need to understand and we need to educate our players that if you choose not to get a vaccine, you are putting yourself at risk and potentially you're putting your teammates at risk. And so your personal choice, although it is extremely personal to you, the effects of that personal choice could be far ranging. And I think that that's something that the NBA is going to have to take a look at, because if you have a mix of vaccinated and unvaccinated players, if you have a mix of vaccinated and unvaccinated staff, you do have the potential to again have an outbreak. And are we going to go back to what we had last year where we had games played in empty arenas or in sparsely populated arenas uh, where broadcasters were working remotely? Uh, these, these are all some very, very real concerns, and it will be interesting to see how the NBA will proceed uh, as they go through Summer League. And I would imagine that uh, depending on how Summer League turns out, uh, if everybody is able to stay healthy, and uh, then, then maybe that uh, the 21-22 NBA season may come off relatively normally. But with the emergence of the Delta variant and the fact that you have barely half of the country inoculated against it, I do have some very real concerns about the progression of professional sports in our country. Uh, because, again, I, I don't know that leagues are going to be able to mandate that all players, all staff, all training staff, all coaching staff be vaccinated uh, because all of those different groups have unions and, and those unions are going to have to buy into it as well. So it'll be very intriguing to see how that develops because it, it is a situation now where we are starting to see the Delta variant of COVID-19 pop up more and more throughout the country. And many of the uh, 97%, according to one study I read, 97% of the people that are going to the hospital with COVID are, are unvaccinated. And uh, this, this is a big concern if uh, we hope to return to normalcy and, and hopefully that will be the case. But uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be monitoring certainly how this all plays out in the NBA and in professional sports as we get ready for the 21-22 NBA season with the training camp set to open in late September. You know what? I think that's enough of uh, me pontificating. Let's bring in our friend of the program for episode 52 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. He is Brevin Knight. For 11 years, going on 12 now, he has been my broadcast partner on Fox Sports Southeast and now Bally Sports Southeast. He is uh, summering in Martha's Vineyard for a good portion of the NBA offseason. And he joined me to talk about the NBA draft, what the Grizzlies might want to do in terms of putting some pieces around Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant, and uh, also talking about small market success. He's our friend of the program, Brevin Knight. Brevin, one of the things that a lot of people in Memphis were talking about in the wake of Milwaukee winning a championship was could a similar situation evolve in Memphis? Small market team, superstar in Yadis Antetokounmpo, and clearly Memphis hopes that Ja and or Jaron will become a similar superstar. Is it too far-fetched to say, well, it happened in Milwaukee, it can happen in Memphis? Uh, I don't think it's too far-fetched because of the two players that you just mentioned, um, whether individually can one uh, become the uh, bearer of this Grizzlies organization or can they collectively as a tandem um, be able to do it? And so I, I think they have two young budding stars, but, I, I, but the thing that makes you feel 
even more comfortable is the roster that has been assembled around those two guys. And of course there will be uh, more moves that will be made, but they've done a great job with being able to have a nice supporting cast around, around those two. And the, the one thing that you saw with Milwaukee is the versatility of their lineup. So to be able to have uh, the star power, but to be able to have very good versatile role players, uh, something that the Grizzlies have. So it definitely uh, makes you feel good about the trajectory of this team. Yeah, it was one of those things that I thought was kind of cool is that, you know, Milwaukee was excited in proving that you didn't have to have a super team. You didn't have to put together a bunch of superstars like Brooklyn in order to win a championship. And I think, honestly, Brevin, I'm curious as to your take, but I I think that's good for the league. I think it's great for the league because I think it it makes – it allows for more teams to feel like they have a chance to win. If you look at the Phoenix Suns, they they had what Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker, I think, is one of those right there on the threshold of becoming one of the, the, the greats, even though he's a, a great individual talent, but be able to get their team somewhere. Um, you saw two teams in the finals that took the path of we're going to be good teams. Yes, you have to have star caliber player at some level. And so they had that, but they were able to put good enough role players, guys that fit their role, played their role well, fantastic head coaches. And so I think that this was this was a a, a positive for every other team in the league that may be a small market team that has a star player and are building around because this this is a eight year culmination for the Milwaukee Bucks. This wasn't a one or two year overnight situation they've been working at this for years and so uh the grizzlies they 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 as do other teams feel like as long as we have a centerpiece then you can work around it yeah i mean we remember Giannis coming into the league as this skinny kid and yes. we, we saw opportunities i remember a game i think it was in the bradley center it was definitely in the bradley center where Giannis just took over in the fourth quarter and zach randolph couldn't guard him at all and I think we looked at each other and said, okay, this kid's going to be a problem for a lot of teams going forward in the years to come. All right. So uh, the Grizzlies are trying to have the same trajectory as the Milwaukee Bucks. John Morant is a couple years into his career. Uh, Jaron is early in his career. Reports are that the Grizzlies will do a deal, which can't be consummated until August the 6th to send Jonas Valanciunas to New Orleans. Grizzlies would get Eric Bledsoe in return. They get Steven Adams in return. The report is that Bledsoe will never play for Memphis. And then they also exchange the draft pick positions in Thursday's draft. The headline there is that the Grizzlies now have what is now New Orleans pick or would have New Orleans pick, which is 10th overall in the first round. As you look at this basketball team, and, and assuming that these reports are all correct, that it's going to be Steven Adams and not Jonas Valanciunas, what's your next move building this basketball team? Well, you sit down and you look at this team's roster. I, I think uh, you give you lose a, a player, a rebound or a double-double machine in Valanciunas. But in Steven Adams, you gain the physical – rebounding, good screen setting, veteran big that you would need at some point in time as the season goes along. 
And if I if I keep looking, the one thing that I always thought the Grizzlies lacked was size at the wing position. And uh, that, to me, comes in the form of almost more of like a 6'7", a 6'9", that type of wing player. Um, I want you to go back to like a Rudy Gay type, but someone that has a little bit of size so that when they go in, so that we talk about versatility with Milwaukee, you look at Milwaukee's team and why they were good. They could switch across the board with a lot of same size, big, long wing players. This Grizzlies team is sort of a log jam with same size, Grayson Allen, uh, Baines, and you put Melton. Those three guys at, are pretty much the same size. And then you'd say now uh, Dylan Brooks. And with Dylan, you get a little bit more physicality. You get a little more size, but there's still that their gap in between. From Dylan, we start to say now you go to Kyle Anderson at 6'9", but you don't have the athleticism. Brandon Clark, which is not really a wing player, more of a big. So I think if they can find that uh, medium, well, more a, a little bit bigger size-wise than Dylan, but a guy, and a guy that can play both ends of the floor can kind of create some off of the dribble for himself, I think that's a player that could definitely help them keep moving in the right direction. One of the guys in the draft that – I've talked to people in Memphis, and by people I mean fans. Nobody with the front office. <laughs> they they really like Moses Moody out of Arkansas, who's only six six, but he does have a seven one wingspan. I don't know that he's going to be available at ten, but he kind of goes against type for the Grizzlies, who like guys who have been in school more than one year. But that seems to be a guy that is very interesting, and then another guy who's drawn a lot of interest or at least a lot of chatter is Josh Giddy, the kid out of Australia, Australia. Yes. you know, who's, who's a guard, but I mean, he has got some serious length at, at, at six, eight. Uh, how much have you been reading the scouting reports and, and the mock drafts? Because it seems like the mock drafts are all over the board. I mean, there are guys that could go anywhere from seven to 20. It just seems that there isn't a whole lot of consensus once you get outside of the top five or six. Yeah, and I think it come, that'll come down to if everything stands pat and the Grizzlies do get that 10th pick. I think a lot of this, you do your due diligence, you do your legwork, but it's going to come down to who's not chosen, who's, who will be available at that time because there could be a name that you thought was going to go in the top five that all of a sudden, for whatever reason, now has dropped. And so now you have an opportunity at them. And the two names that you mentioned – uh, are are good players, and I've I've read up on both. And Moody saw him play. Um, I just don't know if he gives enough perimeter shooting, uh, and I don't know if Yeti gives you enough perimeter shooting. It's almost like uh, I, I look at like the Mikael Bridges, the Cam Johnsons, those type, that type of size and length at a wing position, but can also make perimeter shots. I think Yeti is a guy that in watching. And his reading his scout report, he's good with the basketball. So that means that you have to have whether that if he's going to be a guy that comes off the bench for you, okay, then that works. Um, but I, I I start to try to either look down the line and say, is this guy a guy that you can draft that can be in your starting lineup in two years, or are you just trying to find the best player that you think works out down the road? And I think that's the decision that the front office has to make. Well, another guy that's got some length would be Franz Wagner out of Michigan. 
Yes, very and, and, very and good, very, very good three guy. Yes, very intriguing. Uh, I would like to see what his athleticism looks like. Watched him play in college and very heady, understands the game. Uh, made shots for Michigan, pushed the ball on the floor a little. So uh, another a a player who is extremely intriguing. As long as the as long as athleticism isn't an issue, then then uh, I think he can be make a really nice pro. And the good thing about him is there's no in between like it is for his brother. I think what's happened to his brother is he's got in between. Is he a big? Is he a taller guard type player? Where does he fit in? I think this the younger Wagner. You know exactly what he is. A friend of the program, longtime analyst with me on the Grizzlies telecast now on Bally Sports, Brevin Knight. Now, Brevin, we had a conversation today on Grind City Media about what is the best type of player to accentuate what John Moran can do. We know that he has tremendous athleticism, absolutely fearless, in the big moment, out of the big moment, at any moment. If you're trying to add to this basketball team, whether it is via trade or via the draft, and you don't have to put names on this, but what type of player would you want to put that could be a starter for this basketball team that would help accentuate what John Morant can do and that he's not strictly a point guard and he's always playing on the ball? Well, of course, if you can put someone that stretches the floor in terms of a shooter, then that makes life that much easier. Uh, for a guy that loves to attack angles, likes to play downhill, and likes to play in space. So that creates more space if you can find a shooter. I, I think there's every team in the NBA will say, aside from a couple, will say, oh, we, we need a shooter. But I think the, the the other thing that will really help him is if there's another creator in this, in that lineup, another guy that can put the ball on the floor, that, that can make shots for himself, but also can sometimes get plays or make plays for their teammates. And and I think that's crucial because now you get the defense moving. If this guy is attacking from one side and the ball gets swung, and people will talk about, well, you got to make threes or jump shots. Yes, but also now you catch teams retreating defensively. So now Ja has an opportunity to, to beat somebody that is running at him or has the ball in his hands with a live dribble, something that, they tried to do a lot of when he would play with Kyle Anderson. Kyle sometimes would become more of the dominant ball handler and Ja could run the floor. It, I think if if you can't find that that uh, respected shooter that forces defenses to stay one step closer to him, then another another creator on the floor, I think, will help Ja. Well, Brevin, thanks so much for the time. We're looking forward to the NBA draft. Uh, we'll see if there are further moves from the Grizzlies. Just for all our listeners, we're recording this on Tuesday night. So if there are any moves from after <laughs> 10 o'clock <laughs> Eastern uh, until Thursday, when you finally hear this, we are not responsible for those. But Brevin, I think the Grizzlies are in a good place right now because they've, they've traded themselves into the lottery. And I know going into the draft, uh, I, I'm sure a lot of Grizzlies fans are like, well, 17, eh, you're not in the lottery. Eh, you know, it's a deep draft. You might get somebody good, but the fact that this front office under Zach Kleiman, they've been aggressive in terms of moving up in the draft and they've done it with somebody in mind and, and they've hit those picks, which is really phenomenal. 
I was going to just say, you hit it on the head that I think this front office has done a fantastic job the last couple of seasons in the draft, whether moving up in the draft, finding steals later in the draft in terms of Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman have been fantastic finds for this team, even Desmond Bain later in the end of that first round. And so uh, I think you can have at least have the comfort that this front office is going to do their due diligence. They are going to uncover all of the uh, information that they need in terms of picking the players that they pick. And I always say, tell people, you can do all of that. And at the end of the day, the pick may not work out. That's just the nature of the game because you can only do so much legwork. But this team has has done it to the point where they have all panned out. They have all worked in, in a positive fashion. So uh, I wouldn't expect anything less than that. And, and, and I'm glad that we are in this position with this uh, intact front office. Yeah, and I think they've done a good job of identifying the type of player that they want. Yes. The versatile player the high character player, the high basketball IQ player, the guy who's been in college for at least two years, if not even longer. And I think that's been a, a contribute, a contributing factor to their success. Brevin, thank you so much for the time. Uh, keep, uh, keep hitting it down the middle and uh, we'll see you back in Memphis real soon. Well, I can't wait to get back partner, especially to get out there and hit it with you, but just to be back home in the comfy finds of beautiful Memphis, Tennessee. Always good to catch up with Brevin Knight. That is a wrap for the Grizz Weekly Grind, episode 52, brought to you today by DraftKings. When we come back next week for episode 53, we'll tell you who the Grizzlies drafted and uh, how those players will fit in with 21-22 edition of the Memphis Grizzlies. Thanks so much for listening to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pratica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.